Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go, so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Welcome to episode 83 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and I'm joined here by Martin Vavras. Hello. Hey there. And Mr. Jeff Dean. Hi there. And Rachel Cook is with us. Hello. Uh, this is, again, episode 83 for May 2013, our Daikaiju discussion episode for Ghidra, the three-headed monster. And uh, we have a ton of homework that was sent in. And because of that, I think we should probably just start playing music, starting with a request for BioWars from Godzilla vs. Biollante for Tyler.
の底からよみがえる天の化身毒の花戦え僕らのアイアンキング守れ緑のこの大地
All right. So those <laughs> who are interested in the music, we uh, started with Bio Wars from uh, by Koichi Sugiyama for Tyler. That's from Godzilla vs. Biollante. And then followed that up with the main theme from Iron King. Uh, that is a request for Danny. Um, and I've never played that on the show before because I don't actually own any of that music. But thank God for the uh, applications online that will take YouTube videos and turn them into MP3s because that's what I did. That was uh, by Masato Shimon or Shimon. I don't know how to say that. But uh, anyway, that was for Danny. The next one was actually sort of a request for Ryan and Christopher. Uh, Christopher is in a band called beauty in the liquid men and that's from an album called coaxial transmission and it is actually frankenstein conquers the world it was very nice very nice ifukube work there um but that is uh that is all the music we have at the top of the show we're going to go ahead and move right into our daikaiju discussion class because every month the kaiju cast will showcase one particular film from the giant monster landscape and task the listener with submitting thoughts questions and reviews for the following daikaiju discussion episode Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one movie to each month, solidifying that this uh, podcast is going to keep going for a long, long time. This month, we're watching the 1964 San Daikaiju Chikyu Saida no Kesen, which means Three Giant Monsters, Earth's Greatest Battle, released here in the U.S. as Ghidra, the Three-Headed Monster, in 1965. This was actually the second Godzilla film to be released in Japan in 1964, eight months after Mothra versus Godzilla. And uh, it's like I've said many times, it is a turning point in the series. And so I'm going to hit pause on the recorder here and we are going to go watch this movie. And we just finished watching Ghidra, the three headed monster. And I am very interested to find out how these three people hanging out with me enjoyed this film because I I believe for two of you, this is the first time you'd ever seen it. So that would be Martin. True. And Rachel. Yes. So uh, who wants to go first? Initial thoughts. I can go first. Okay. Go for it. What what did you think, dude? Um, I thought it was okay. I okay. I thought there was a I thought I thought it took a long time to get anywhere. And once it finally started doing stuff, it was a little crazy, a little fun, a uh, little interesting and all that. But then I kind of found the the ending to be, uh, it, I was a little disappointed by the ending. Lackluster ending. Yeah. Where, did you sit there and go, oh, that was that was it? Yeah, I kind of yeah. did. I was like, wait, wait come, come back, Ghidra. <laughs> <laughs> no one asks for Ghidra to return. <laughs> Uh, you can't fly away. <laughs> just watch a sniper guy catching rocks, and he died. Why is it you get to escape this one? <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, so, Rachel, what about you? What are your initial thoughts about this this film? I thought it was really fun. I I got a kick out of it. Um, but it yeah, it was the kind of thing. I had the same reaction at the end where it was like, oh, I I didn't really get to see that much Gidra, and that's the name of the movie. So, what can we get more, please? Like, so. <laughs> Well, the good news is the answer is yes. yes! You can get more <laughs> in the next film, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. Um, uh, what about you, Jeff? Initial thoughts on this film? Um, I enjoy this film. Um, I do agree with uh, you know Rachel and Martin in the fact that this is kind of like just whets our appetite for what's to come. But for uh, this film, I actually find the uh, you know the the story and all the human interaction 
a lot more interesting than you know the monsters in this one for sure. Yeah, yeah. I will. I I'll actually agree with that. Um, I love the monster stuff, but all the close in fighting where you get a lot of puppetry, like yeah, yeah, and a lot of weird double takes and stuff like that. It it sullies the monster fighting experience for me. There's some great fighting stuff in here, but um. Overall, and we watched the Japanese version with the English subtitles, so overall I would say that uh, since this was my first time seeing this version... Actually, Jeff, had you seen the subtitled version before or just the dub? I've seen the subtitled version, but recently when this DVD came out. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so this is this is my first time watching the entire film subtitled, and, and uh, I found myself a lot more interested in the human drama than I had been in the, in previous viewings of the dub, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, did you guys have, uh, like, what were some of the things that you just really loved about this film? I loved that it was really, it kind of felt like um, a mystery movie where you're just trying to figure out, you know, she had, the princess gal had, um, you know, seen something in the sky and then, plane explodes and just she you know turns into this venusian and it, it was cool <laughs> i don't know it's just yes i it, it was different it felt kind of more like a um twilight zone episode or something i don't Ooh. know i Ooh, i dug it episode. not quite quite as crazy no. maybe but and not such a big reveal or anything at the end but it it still it was um it was fun i think it was a neat you know, ride that you're going along. How did you like the explanation from that uh, doctor in the middle of the story saying like, well, what probably happened is she slipped in between the two dimensions. <laughs> I think maybe that's what made me think it was like a Twilight Zone episode. Which was, was so never wacky. brought up ever again. Yeah. No. <laughs> there's a lot of points that there's a lot of things yeah. in this movie that, that show up. And uh, I don't know if you'd call them coincidental, like, plot devices but they just like never come around again <laughs> it's uh, someday i think i'd like to piece together my own sort of like grand explanation for all this stuff because as i was watching it i there were like little flare-ups in my brain as the synapses were firing going like hmm well maybe this is because ghidra's meteorite landed and blah 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 you know that kind of stuff but i'm at this point in my career as a podcaster uh, that's just going to have to wait maybe until the next time we <laughs> reboot this Daikaiju discussion. Uh, what about you, Jeff? What did you really love about this film? Um, I, I I really enjoy the story, this one, because it's it's original. Mm-hmm. You have the first time you have the whole space thing being introduced into the series. And I, I really like the fact that there's like no moral in, in this one. There's no like, you know, oh, you know, nuclear technology any 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 of that kind of moral shoved down your throat. Right, right. Uh you don't think that the uh the moral of the story is don't be a politically uh assassinating kind of guy <laughs> jerk. <laughs> yes. That's the moral of the story, right? <laughs> it's like don't be a gangster. Don't be Don't be a mustachio yeah. gangster. <laughs> yes, mustachio so, assassin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As we, so we're watching this and I <laughs> I, uh, Rachel has watched Ultraman and I'm like, oh, hey, 
you know, Susumo Kurobe, the guy who plays um, Hayata, is in this, right? And she, and she's like, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah, he's coming up. He's one of the assassins. And as he's on screen, I was like thoroughly confused because I know I've seen this before. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's that's the guy who plays Hayata. And um, because I've been watching a lot of Ultraman recently, it really confused me. I was like, wait, is that the guy? The mustache was throwing me off because he has this like John Waters pencil thin mustache. And he (laughs) looks like evil. Not to mention, I do think they... Spray tan? They all had some spray tan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they, they darkened them up. A little bit of blackface for the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the Seljians. Uh I don't know what that was supposed to be, but it doesn't really affect the story. I, I don't know. Uh, but when we looked it up on e- on uh, yeah, ugh, my IMDb? brain IMDb. When we looked it up on IMDb, the actual credit said Susumu Kurobe, mustachioed assassin. Yes. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> So awesome. What a great credit to add to your... uh, To your resume. Yes. Totally. I I wish that I had known that when I saw him in Monster Palooza. I would have said, I like you as the mustachioed assassin (laughs) in Gage of the Three-Headed Monster. Yes. Uh, What about you, Martin? Uh, I actually liked that there was no moral to this one as well. Right on. Right on. So no heavy-handed message. Just kind of like a fun romp. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this is one of those films that I have said, um, because it's an earlier film in the Godzilla franchise, it's one of those things where I sort of say, well, this story, it's not a kid's story. Like, it's not uh, the the human development is not aimed towards children. It's sort of got some intrigue, a little bit of mystery behind it, and some... Uh, thrills and chills and spills and it's not um, I don't know why I said those things but uh, it's it's definitely I think it's geared a little more towards towards adults this particular thing and I, I really do think that this and maybe a few others really have that sort of like wide appeal like you've got the monster action for your kids but you can go to the theater and have a decent time watching humans, you know, on the screen and maybe enjoy the monsters. Like, is that a message that they're sending to parents? Like, you know, I don't know, but it seems, it seems plausible when you, when you think about the different plots going through the Godzilla movies. I, I don't know. I really like this one. Um, for what it represents. These are, this is sort of what I like about, about the film. Uh, I like this movie for what it represents. That's really the core of what it is. That it's the, it's the we've been talking about it since the first episode of the Kaiju Cast. I actually listened to episode one like a couple oh, yeah. of weeks ago, <laughs> and I was and I have that you. I think you asked me a question, and I talked about the switch flipping right, and I was like, "This mm-hmm. is the this is the point. This one movie, Giju the Three Headed Monster, is the point where Godzilla." becomes the savior and it's not my favorite godzilla movie by any stretch of the imagination but it's a lot of fun to watch and i think that because the human element has such a strong uh even though sometimes really bizarre twists and you know uh, roads that it takes you down uh it's a really good overall film uh from an entertainment aspect uh is is there anything that you guys just hated is like really wished was not in the movie? I you, I have to honestly say I think the reason that you guys 
like a lot of this were things that I didn't care for. I I thought they were all of these really strange intricacies through all of this. So we have a princess whose island is apparently stuck in the Victorian area era. <laughs> and she's about to be assassinated while on her plane, but this mysterious voice tells her to jump um, at, during a meteor shower. I have no idea what all of those meteors were because the only one that ever connected with anything and stuck was Ghidra. But we had all these meteor showers that everybody's watching going on. So... Uh, we don't know how she survives, and that's cool. But um, now she's channeling Venusians through this whole thing, and and it's this big warning, you know. Everybody better watch it because bad stuff's gonna happen. I can't tell you what that is, but bad well, stuff. She gonna... pretty much does tell people like what's uh, See, at to, first. She well, at first she doesn't. But, but but that's the thing is is like well, what's the bad thing that's gonna happen? Well, the bad thing that's gonna happen is Rodan. The bad thing that's gonna happen is Godzilla. And then, but really the bad thing that's going to happen is Ghidra. I'm just got to get through these other two things that are terrestrial that are about to happen to get to the three-headed thing that destroyed our planet way back when. And thankfully the, the two peanut sisters are there, (laughs) but it just, there was all of that extra stuff that kind of didn't need to happen. And she's channeling this person the whole time. Meanwhile, we've got. Uh, the Ultratan assassin folks that are still trying to hunt her down, even though she doesn't even know or remember who they are. These guys can't hit anything with a car, with a gun. You know, they're breaking into stuff with stealth coordination, but, you know, pistol fights at 10 feet. How about how about nothing. when the guy has <laughs> has the knife out? Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to kill you. So I'm going to wrap, delicately wrap this napkin <laughs> around my hand yeah. and very slowly start to... Put the knife towards you. Yeah. Oh, the lights went out. <laughs> and it, and it's the knife that killed her father. Did I think that was the line that was snuck in there? So oh, yeah. apparently, her father was killed by these same bunch of guys too, which we didn't. And why do they want her killed anyway? We're spending all this time. Who's who's the Victorian Japanese dude back there that's like wanting her assassinated for what reason? So I have I have those answers for you. The movie not... doesn't, but I'm glad you do. No, no. That and I haven't like done a ton of research for this film, but like. <laughs> I don't have detailed answers, but like that guy wants to sit on the throne. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's just sort of like the inferred information. Sure. Uh, and I actually, so when I said like I, at some point, I want to have like uh, a mental architecture powwow with my brain where I think about the movie and try and plug together the little so where all wavering the little bubbles points, are like, there, and you draw the yeah, lines. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the red string. Yeah. <laughs> like. Uh, like Dexter, but so uh, so the meteor shower is uh, in my theory is that the meteor shower is a planet that's exploded, not Venusians, okay, or maybe they lived on a moon around Venus, okay, and that's exploded like Krypton, right? And so the meteors are from that moon, and the consciousness that's been trapped on Earth. Since the explosion, I don't know how it got to Earth. Okay, forget it. My <laughs> and why and why do they call themselves by the same name that we call them by five thousand years before we were naming them? I don't know, John Carter of Mars. <laughs> but anyway, you so, know, in the in the dub, they call them Martians, not Venusians. Oh, do they really? Yeah. So I'm, you know, those are just silly things where I'm essentially going, okay, I can sit through this because I know in a little while we're going to have a bunch of folks like tossing people around. 
And uh, you had to really wait a monsters long act. time. Yeah, for that, though. and it takes a while. And this is not a movie of model destruction like other things are. Like that's the one I kind of miss that a little bit. You know, this was a lot of kicking down hillsides. You know, throwing rocks around that, that kind of thing. There was a lot less building destruction. That's this true. Was, yeah, this was more like a soccer game. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of rock soccer going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Best hacky, hacky sack <laughs> yeah, game in the world. I love it when you said that. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 so what did I say? Like epic <laughs> hacky yeah. sack game, bro, or something? I don't know. Uh, Jeff, what did you not like about the film? Um, my number one complaint is the fight scenes. I think you're just not epic at all and almost comical. Oh, very comical. Very, yeah, very, mean, very comical. And, and I guess, you know, I, I agree with your assessment about you know, uh, them trying to, you know, appeal to all age groups, basically. Mm-hmm. But And it almost feels like the monster action's thrown in for just like, okay, let's just make it as kitty-friendly as possible, and everyone will laugh. Because it's like, when the fight scenes are not, you know, epic or angry or sinister or anything at all, they're just all like, and the whole, like, fast motion, it almost looks like they're like, you know, everyone's yeah, head they, is jerking around. And they the, did not have the, the film speed cranked up like they normally do. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just my number one complaint. It, it doesn't ruin the film, but that's just, you know, it's... Right. It's... That's the uh, element I dislike the most. Gotcha. Rachel, takeaways from the negative side of things for you? I... Well, there's good and bad to it. I There was parts of the kind of when... um when they were trying to get everybody to work together, when Mothra was trying to talk to Godzilla and Rodan and try to get everybody to, you know, fight against mm-hmm. Ghidra, it, I, I like teamwork. I'm all for that. It's great. But at the same time, it felt a little bit too much like a mediation and... It reminded me of my job, which is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so. In the in the dub that we did not watch, there's actually a part where Godzilla essentially, I'm guessing, tells tells them to go to hell and like, <laughs> but you know, it's in Godzilla speaks, bunch of screonks. And so you hear the fairies say, oh, Godzilla, what language? <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's kind of awesome. Yeah. Uh, probably the only reason for us to watch the dub would be that particular point there. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think for me, the worst part about it was the was the close-up fighting, like for the monsters. I just, it just doesn't. From going from uh, Mothra versus Godzilla, which everybody here has seen, yeah. So like going from Mothra versus Godzilla to Ghidra the three headed monster, um, and then to Monster Zero, it's almost like a rushed aspect of production. Because like I said, that this this came out the same year as Mothra versus Godzilla. They like I think. Don't quote me, and I could have this up on my on my computer in a, in a matter of minutes, but I think Mothra vs. Godzilla came out in April, and this came out in December. So it's a fair amount of of time spent, but you know, I'm sure there are budget constraints and so forth, but that's sort of what, what I didn't like about it. Yeah, it's like a lot of the fight scenes are just 
you know, them pecking on each other, you know, Rodan pecking on Godzilla's head and them like slap fighting and then the kicking <laughs> and throwing the rocks back and forth at each other. You know, that's. Yeah. There was actually a scene you know. like, okay, so when Mothra sprays Godzilla with the webbing mm-hmm. and then sprays Rodan with the webbing. It almost looked like a different substance was getting on Rodan. Yeah. And and Rodan did this weird kind of terrible radio here, but did this kind of thing where he went like <laughs> and like he almost like Oh no mugged, you didn't. He almost yeah. mugged for the camera and then just went like I gotta I gotta and like <laughs> yeah. and I was like, Oh right, I forgot about that. I forgot that there's there is there are elements of comedy in this in this film and uh i don't i don't particularly find them very entertaining as far as being comedic but i don't hate them i mean this is this is one movie within the, the span of 28 and definitely i'd i'd probably rank this somewhere in the middle yeah. i guess it's we should probably we should probably move into our final thoughts because <laughs> we got so much homework for this so uh Rachel, what are your final thoughts on Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster? I think it was fun. Overall, um, probably a kind of disjointed plot line, but I enjoyed it. I liked the drama and the mystery to it, and um, and the, the kind of crazy fights were um, kind of bad, but I, I thought it was neat just to see a different type of fight, I guess you could say, right. than what I, we've seen before. El Jefe. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoy the film, um, but yeah, the the fight scenes almost seem to me just to be like they don't really fit the the rest of the film. But um, overall, you know, it's a good it's a good entertaining film. It's great that you have you know for the first time you know all four of the uh, you know iconic monsters together. But uh, oh yeah, I bet you loved that. Yes, except that uh, <laughs> except it wasn't the winged. Yeah, there's not the Mothra. winged Mothra, but whatever. You're not as big a fan of the larva as you are of the. No, yeah. not, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> not as pretty. No. Uh, Martin, final thoughts. Yeah, I think this one's kind of middle of the pack. Uh, yeah. I I think a newbie could watch this one and be all right with it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it's middle of the pack. Okay, so question for all three of you. Except Martin just kind of answered it. But uh, so question for the other two. Like, is this a movie you would show to somebody who's never seen a Godzilla movie before? Yes, I think I think I would. Um, because of the human drama, I think that okay. it could appeal to others because of that part of it. Because it's not overrun with too many monster fights. Okay. I don't think so. No. I think if someone who's going to watch a Godzilla movie, you know, the highlight's going to be, I want to see Godzilla. This is not... The way I would introduce Godzilla to someone. Okay, I think I would. I would kind of agree with that. I think the only way I would show this to someone if this was if they had never seen a Godzilla movie before is if I was maybe at someone's house and it came on TV and I'd be like, "What? You've never seen a Godzilla movie, my friend? I know this is going to be a little goofy, but please just sit down and watch this." Uh, and then if you if you have any interest after this, come over to my house. We'll watch uh, watch something good. So we'll go to camera. <laughs> yeah, I think for me overall, my my final thoughts on on the film is that it's an iconic film because of what happens in it, and that's about where it ends for me. The enjoyment's there. I I will watch this movie. I've watched it several times since I purchased it. Uh, 
and I've purchased it in a few different formats. So I I definitely like it. It's just not it's like like we were saying, like middle of the of the run. Like I I wouldn't put this in the top ten, as Jeff is aware. Yes. Uh but I wouldn't put this in the bottom bottom ten either. It's just somewhere in that middle eight. So uh, we got a ton of listener homework sent in, and so uh, major, major thank you to everybody for sending that your homework in. Uh, bef- before we start, I do want to let you all know that I did have to, um, I did have to do some trimming here. So apologies in advance, but we're going to go ahead and start with Jace. Uh, when Jace was a child, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster served the function that Destroy All Monsters did for many fans, as he had only as he only had access to a handful of Godzilla films, and this one featured the most kaiju. He always thought it was a brilliant concept, weaving together the threads of the Godzilla films, the Mothra film, and the Rodan film into a shared universe, building on the work of the 1964 Mothra vs. Godzilla. When Jace was a child, Ghidra always seemed to be the archetype of evil and wanton destruction, which is one of the reasons he was unhappy with Ghidra's role in GMK. Some of the shots with Ghidra in this film are absolutely brilliant, especially the iconic one of him flying and blasting away with all three heads. Jace thinks Ghidra's appearance by way of the meteorite has yet to be improved upon as well. The whole scene is eerie, and the musical score, though not Ifukabe's if... Uh, if he's mistaken, uh, really adds to the atmosphere. Just a little note for me. Um, I'd watched a little bit of the dub when Ghidra appears. And for the most part, what you do here is actually Ifukube's score. Anyway, back to Jace. Uh, what he found disappointing, the other three kaiju suits slash puppets. Uh, he understands the reasons for keeping Mothra as the larva budget and all that. But frankly, it's pretty lame. And Why? Why on earth did the powers that be at Toho change the Rodan suit? From Jace's point of view, the original Rodan look from 56 is utterly terrifying and has yet to be improved upon. And uh, another little note, uh, that was almost 10 years prior to this film, and the original Rodan suit had definitely deteriorated and uh, was not uh, able to be used. And with the comedic elements uh, some people posit that, uh, that the reason that Rodan looked that way is because he needed to look more comical. Lastly, he says, Godzilla's face in this film just looks wacky. It's uh, the opposite of elegant. And of course, the lack of a serious political or social theme really gets to Jace with this film, especially coming on the heels of Mothra vs. Godzilla, which is all around one of the greatest kaiju films of all time. Though he doesn't think such themes are necessary for a good kaiju film, they bring him a lot of happiness. For Paul, Ghidra's first film appearance remains a highlight of the entire Godzilla series. While this film does have a few quirky moments, the monsters talking to each other stands out the most, it's still a pleasure to watch. Even though Paul considers Invasion of the Astro Monster the best of the 1960s Godzilla films, this film ranks a close second. P.S. Paul hopes we someday add Pacific Rim to the list of films on the Daikaiju discussion list. It has been added. It is uh, It is July. Adam says, Ghidra is one of his favorite Godzilla films. Visually stunning, excellent music, and superb effects. Unfortunately, the same can't be said for the script, as there seems to be a multitude of plot elements that are pulling the audience in every direction. 
Ghidra, for his small time on the screen, never comes across as threatening as the princess prophet would have you believe. We're told that individually each monster doesn't stand a chance, but we never get that except for Mothra. The script is also scattered with remarkable coincidences. Nieko and her brother run into each other in Shibuya, while Momnus and his cronies have not only managed to check into the same hotel as Nako and the prophetess, but even have opposite rooms on the same floor. The original Ghidra is the best Ghidra, as no other Ghidra has been able to match the way Tsuburaya brought the original to life. Ghidra is perhaps the most significant film in the entire Godzilla series. This movie is responsible for the turn of the series and Godzilla from serious to high camp, growing sillier as the years progressed. 1964 Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster is quite possibly the greatest movie ever. Nick writes in because he thinks that everything good or bad about this movie that he could type will be said, and probably better, by other fans. Nick would only like to make this one comment. King Ghidra's fight scenes in the film, along with its sequel, are a testament to the genius of Eiji Tsuburaya and his team. King Ghidra has never looked better than in these two films, especially in flight. That giant cumbersome suit, and I am assuming a model in some shots, looks so organic and alive. Uh, Even the improved technology used in 91, 2001, and 2004 cannot compare to what was achieved in 1964. P.S. Rest in peace, Ray Harryhausen. Maybe a kaiju commentary of Ray Harryhausen. Uh, Ray Harryhausen films in his memory, The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, or 20 Million Miles to Earth, or Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, with its connection to Godzilla's history. Maybe someday. Ghidra was a favorite of Jamie's as a child, and the one he looked forward to the most when looking for it on TBS. He even brought it with him to a friend's birthday party to introduce them to the awesomeness of Godzilla. If there was... Any one thing that really confuses Jamie about his, about this movie, it's the whole Venus alien princess mixed with the subplot of the assassins from Selgina happening while there was a battle for Earth going on. It felt like something tossed in for the adults, and the assassins themselves were about the most inept around. They had several choice, uh, several chances to kill off the princess and did not take it. At the most, all she really contributed was a, was warning the Mothra twins about Godzilla's attack on the boat. Other than that, Jamie loved this film as a kid and loves it still as an adult. It's easy to see. Uh, it's easily one of his favorites of the Showa era, right up there with Godzilla versus Mothra. Why does everybody call that Godzilla versus Mothra? It is Mothra versus Godzilla, guys. Uh, the build-up to Ghidra's first appearance is wonderfully done, and Jamie will never forget the image of him appearing out of a ball of fire. No one is at an entrance like that. It, uh, it was also good to see Professor Miura, played by Hiroshi Koizumi, who appeared previously in Mothra, Mothra vs. Godzilla, and later on in Godzilla Tokyo SOS. And I would also like to add, he was also in Godzilla Raids again, Atragon, Matango, Dogura, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 1974, and even Godzilla 1985. Nerd glasses adjustment. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of good action between Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra, and Ghidra, and there was a great amount of expressiveness in both the heads of Rodan and Godzilla. Adding more feeling to the monsters, Jamie also enjoyed the fact that the fairy twins were acting as ambassadors between humanity and Mothra, when they appeared on the TV 
to show uh, on the TV show to sing for the boys who wanted to see Mothra and who later said they would get Mothra to help out. While this movie is named Ghidra, Jamie feels the true star is Mothra. Despite being a caterpillar, uh, Mothra bravely crawled into the battle against a foe who is vastly more powerful after negotiations with Godzilla and Rodan have failed. She knows that protecting the Earth is more important than the monster infighting or even the conflict between the monsters and humans. And she's determined to do what's right, knowing how bad the odds are in her favor. Mothra, protector of the Earth, diplomat, and noble knight of the kaiju world. Yes. <laughs> I actually meant for you to read this, but it's a little long. So uh, Jamie can only imagine the technical work that had to go into controlling not one, not two, but four kaiju on set at the same time. Yes, some of the action was a bit kiddie like with Ghidra shooting Godzilla in the crotch and the butt, uh, but it was still fantastic to see with each of the Earth kaiju bringing their abilities to bear against Ghidra. It was smartly done, and Jamie hopes that we get to see more of this in the future should the new American Godzilla movie and Pacific Rim kick off a whole new slew of kaiju films in Japan. Overall, he would show this to new fans, despite its age. It's a great way to introduce people to the genre and show its height in the Showa era. Unfortunately, Allison had to watch Ghidra on Netflix with the god-awful dub. As always with these movies, she liked the old-fashioned feel and peek into past Japanese culture here in the early 1960s. It is always good to see some of Toho's familiar faces working together again. There were many nonsensical moments in this Godzilla film. While Allison always enjoys viewing any Godzilla-era movie from Toho, this one seems to be the point where the series turned more towards attracting children. Still, it is a fun movie, even though it was long on the espionage alien plot and a bit short on the monster time she especially enjoyed the reference to the flying saucer people however what was up with the edwardian neck cuffs worn as well as the guards of the palace wearing santa hats i did see that little santa hats in the background (laughs) you know the dangerous north pole people i guess (laughs) also can anyone explain why gidra's meteor was magnetized it seems that wasn't explained, and she has always wondered. So, uh, Martin. It's because uh, it was made of iron, because only magnetic objects are made of iron. Right on. Already. Why, why it is an iron object from Venus and, uh, and had only occasional magnetism could not tell you other than it was electromagnetic. Okay, so all meteorites are magnetic. But that really wasn't a meteorite. It was. It Whatever. was, and, and it was, and it was. I'm a, muting you. Sean. And it was occasionally. <laughs> it was occasionally. No, I think it was always magnetic. It just had powerful magnetic. No, they commented things. on the fact, like, "Oh, it's no longer magnetic." Wait, no, now it's they back. Did, they didn't know, but it was. They didn't. You see how close they were? <laughs> they weren't very close. Okay. <laughs> We're getting in a huge fight over this. <laughs> okay, Nerd sorry. Rage. Please continue, Rachel. It was great seeing Rodan again, even though when he appeared, he gave a definite Godzilla screonk. Rodan seemed to continually suffer from convulsions. Godzilla and Rodan's volleyball game, while Mothra looked back and forth, was a scene Allison loved when she saw it as a kid. 
Godzilla seemed to extraordinarily enjoy slinging rocks at his foes in this particular movie. Ghidra's reveal was her favorite part of the film, and it seemed that, as usual, Ghidra stole whatever scene he was in. The miniature work by Eiji Tsuburaya was incredibly detailed and impressive. She also appreciated that no monsters died at the end of this film. Allison does not think she would show this to someone new to the kaiju... Yega? Oh, kaiju Yega. Yega. I'm messing that up. But she wouldn't hesitate with children and or a diehard fan. John says that he originally watched Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster when they showed it as part of Monster Week on the 430 movie, a syndicated movie program from the 1970s that showed Gamera and Godzilla. In Detroit, it was Channel 7, and no doubt anyone from that era and around John's age remembers these shows fondly. It mystifies him to think that Astro Monster is considered the strangest Toho film of the 60s because of the scenes where Godzilla dances, because this movie is chock full of craziness from beginning to end, and it's a lot of fun. John likes the espionage angle with the human characters trying or tying into the monster battle. It reminds him of Dogura and even the Space Giants television show. There are inconsequential moments in the film that John enjoyed like the whale swimming away from Godzilla, lots of great tiny details that he had forgotten about. It's been 30-plus years since he'd seen this movie, but it still holds up quite well. Matt and his dog Ashley gave Ghidorah the three-headed monster four stars, one for each monster. Hats off to the Toho creative team for firing on all cylinders with this one. Most of the time, the human storyline gets in the way of enjoying watching monsters beat each other up, but not only is the story compelling enough that Matt cared about what was going on, what was going to happen next, the drama unfolds at a good pace and a minimal slowdown is nicely interwoven with the monster action. There are some big monster moments in the movie, from Ghidorah's flaming emergence out of the meteor uh, and into kaiju, kaiju infamy, to seeing Godzilla and the gang weigh the pros and cons of saving humanity. These new and improved, more sophisticated kaiju really expanded the possibilities of the genre and lay the groundwork for the future success of the movies. Matt could grumble about Godzilla's lack of uh, animated atomic breath, or some awkward fight scenes, looking as if the guys in the suits were simply flailing about in each other's presence rather than executing choreographed fight moves. But those complaints don't tarnish the overall excellence that is Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. This movie is the perfect introduction to kaiju films. It's a well-crafted movie by any standard. Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster is the ultimate bipolar movie for John C. He goes from loving parts of this movie to planting his face in his palms and asking why. Just like the Mothra, just like Mothra vs. Godzilla, this movie has a great sci-fi fantasy story. It rolls along perfectly with the princess escaping from the bombing of the plane to her showing up later as a prophet from Mars... It gets even better as she predicts Rodan and Godzilla will return, uh, wreaking havoc on Japan. Both monster entrances are classics. The Godzilla suit looks awesome as he rises from the ocean to take out the cruise ship with a glorious radiation blast. Rodan breaking out of the mountain after the princess's warning was also well done. The Rodan suit was his first what-the-heck moment. The original Rodan looked amazing, and this Rodan just looked dopey. What were they thinking? Putting this aside, the movie still uh, was moving along nicely. Rodan versus Godzilla, Ghidra breaking, breaking out of the meteor, 
and going on a rampage. The assassins still trying to kill the princess. The peanuts returning as the shobijin. Uh, it was all going so well, and then Toho flipped that switch. The same switch that turned Godzilla into the hero was the same switch that had John banging his head against the wall. When that conversation between the three monsters starts, Godzilla and Rodan suddenly don't seem awesome anymore. Uh, Rodan didn't need to look any dopier, but this moment contributed to some severe dopiness. These two great kaiju all of a sudden came across as bratty kids in a schoolyard fight. Toho brought it down so many levels for John here. Even as a kid, he hated it and thinks they could have and should have gotten to the final battle with Ghidra without such a drastic change. Luckily, in the next movie, they fixed a lot of this with Godzilla and Rodan battling Ghidra without coming across as goody-goodies. Finally, it was a bummer to find out that Toho ran out of money and therefore had to sacrifice Godzilla's breath weapon for the final fight. It's pretty noticeable. And uh, I actually did not know that. I don't I don't know if I just glazed over that when I was reading stuff about the movie, but uh, yeah. I actually wondered why that changed in the movie, because in the beginning you can see all of the plates on the back light up, and it looks like it usually does, and then I think it only happens just in the beginning, and then from the rest of the time it's the, it's not there. Yeah, I, I think there was at one point where Godzilla blasts Rodan, but it was that it was the the fog, yeah. or, uh, the you know CO two coming out of the mouth, and not not an animated thing. Tyler says Gidra, the three headed monster, is one of Tyler's favorite Godzilla movies and a true creature feature classic. It balances goofy and serious without going into cr- too crazy of ideas, like Godzilla versus Gigan's alien bugs. Tyler enjoys the whole movie from the alien princess to the monster talking scene to the powerhouse ending. It would be great film to show to newcomers the awesome world of Godzilla. I, I do find it interesting that there are people that like that. He's like, that was a powerhouse ending. And, and you know, for myself, I was like, wait, come back. That's, this isn't over yet. Yeah. <laughs> the, the difference in opinions is, is sometimes it's, it's sometimes... We get people who who uh, who write in, and it's almost identical to what we say. And sometimes we get in people who write in, and like they they just love the film so much that you know it's almost like they watched another movie. James says that Ghidra the Three Headed Monster is easily one of the most significant films in the Toho franchise for various reasons. For one, it introduces Ghidra, Godzilla's most classic adversary, who had become one of Toho's most popular monsters. It is the first film where Godzilla teams up with another monster and fights to save humanity. This is easily one of the best films of the Showa era, and despite a few quirky moments, it holds up very well. James's favorite moments include Godzilla's fight with Rodan when Rodan lifts Godzilla into the air and drops him onto the telephone pole inadvertently saving the princess, and likely causing Godzilla massive groin pain. And the final battle against Ghidra is still one of James's all-time favorite monster matches. The monster's conversation being translated by the twin fairies is also a very amusing scene and provides some insight to the monster's personalities. James was quite shocked to learn that Godzilla is not above using foul language. Perhaps his only real complaint is that the Rodan suit looks a bit underwhelming compared to how it looked in the 1956 film, 
and that the movie takes some time to gain momentum. It's quite a while before you see any monster action, but once the movie takes off, boy does it take off. Overall, this is an easy recommendation for anyone interested in the genre, and an obvious must-have for kaiju movie fans. Ron just watched Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster on DVD, and it was awesome. The sets are great, the effects are amazing, and the monsters are the best, as always. Ron even loved it when Godzilla told Mothra where to go. His two complaints are that when Rodan first shows up, you hear Godzilla's roar. Also, the Rodan suit does not look as convincing as the one from the original Rodan. This movie is just as fun now as when Ron first saw it on Super Scary Saturdays with Grandpa Munster on TBS. Danny notes that as a follow-up to the classic 1964 Mothra vs. Godzilla, and even produced the same year, one might expect a rush job for this sequel. However, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster is far from a rush job, and in the end stands as one of the most unusual but enduring films of the Godzilla series. This film was definitely a product of its time, featuring a plot that is part monster, part mystery slash espionage. The Yakuza-esque assassins and their mission uh, and shoot 'em up encounters with Shindo, played by Yosuke Natsuke, uh, here playing essentially the same role, uh, same character as he did in Dogura the same year. They're very reminiscent of the concurrently produced James Bond films, a comparison only strengthened with the casting of future Bond girl Akiko Wakabayashi. Rawr. That's from me. Uh, not to, anyway, whatever. Uh, as Princess Salno. It's also worth noting that the princess's story of Venus's destruction and her race's immigration to the U.S. is a very similar is very similar to the British series and film Quartermass in the Pit. Anyone here familiar with that? Nope. Yes, yes. Quartermass in the Pit. Yes. No. Okay. So actually, Rachel, you'll want to listen to this. Uh, also known as Five Million Years to Earth, that film features Martian creatures that flee their dying world and head to Earth, where they interfere with early hominid DNA to preserve their psychic essence. It's very possible that Godzilla screenwriter Shinichi Sekizawa was influenced by this idea, even though Mars is only mentioned in the heavily edited American version of Ghidra. While Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster draws from other popular foreign films from the time, it's also a milestone of Japanese kaiju films that, like Mothra vs. Godzilla, draws from previous entries in the Toho series. As with the previous film, this is a crossover, this time featuring Rodan in his first appearance since 1956, even though it's never mentioned whether this is a survivor from the original film or possibly the offspring of two Rodans. Uh, actually, it is in the Japanese version. He does say, uh, Princess Salno does say that the uh, gases from the volcano revived him. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, and in a way, Ghidra is comparable to the recent Avengers movie in that it pulls characters from several seemingly unrelated films to create a powerful team that must vanquish a new and powerful enemy. And what an enemy it is. King Ghidra is just about... Every kind of awesome rolled into one three-headed, two-tailed, golden package of epicness. This creation may well be the best glimpse into the creativity of Eiji Tsuburaya we can get, and it's amazing to think that he designed the creature solely from the description in the screenplay. It has three heads, two tails, and a voice like a bell. I thought that was interesting. Uh, although Ghidra steals the show, the three good guy monsters, Godzilla, once again... Uh, using the Mosu Goji suit, 
Rodan and Mothra, the only surviving larva from the previous film, take a step forward in this film, leaving the image of mindless, rampaging beasts behind and becoming full characters. This approach, combined with Godzilla's first heroic battle on the side of Earth, would become the formula for the rest of the Showa series. Uh, for its historic place in the Godzilla series, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster is essential viewing for Godzilla fans and deserves its place as a beloved fan favorite in the series. Also, uh, shout out to fellow Daikaiju discussioner Allison. Internet high five. Johnny writes in, what can you say about Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster other than it is one of the top ten best Godzilla movies of all time? This movie has the first appearance of Godzilla's archenemy, King Ghidra, and Toho did an amazing, amazing job introducing him. Johnny doesn't have much to say because this movie is so epic. This would be a great introduction to new fans of the genre, and he'd give it 4.75 Space Kaiju out of 5. Chris says that when he bought the classic Media Godzilla box set a couple of years ago and started watching it with his son, this became one of his instant favorites. The chaotic image of Ghidra showing up on the scene, indiscriminately blasting everything around him like it's some embodiment of pure destruction, was amazing. He loves the use of Mothra in the film, which really plays into her previous depiction of a smarter and more empathetic kaiju. Much is often said about how Mothra seems to collect additional superpowers in later movies that we've never seen before. And of course, Chris has a loony fan theory about this. Essentially, Mothra has always had these powers, but she only ever uses the minimum power she needs in a given situation, always holding something back. Here we see Mothra in her larva form, coming along to convince Godzilla and Rodan to help fight off Ghidra. Chris theorizes that she could have defeated Ghidra herself if necessary, but she saw a situation where Godzilla and Rodan could be convinced to join the fight against Ghidra, therefore minimizing her need to use up energy in a fight, and also eliminating the threat to human life of a protracted Godzilla-Rodan fight. Chris isn't crazy enough to believe that this was the intention of the filmmakers at the time, but it is fun to think about in the context of later appearances by Mothra. It's entertaining to think of Mothra as a wise kaiju hiding thousands of years of deep secrets. That plus her cycle of death and rebirth and Mothra starts to seem a whole lot, lot like the Doctor Who of the giant monster world. Amen. <laughs> I'm glad there's so much Mothra praise in here for you. Ian loves that the Daikaiju film for the month of May is Ghidra. It also helps that May is his birthday month. Oh, happy birthday. Like most people, he found this to be a rather enjoyable addition to the Godzilla franchise. The funny thing is that Ghidra was probably the last of the Showa era films for Ian uh, to find and see. Back when he first saw that this film was about 20 years ago, he was surprised that it was actually a Godzilla film instead of just being Ghidorah against the Japanese military. The flow of the movie seems just about right, while the basic plot of the film would work with, that, with or without the monsters. It just seems that it seems to feel smooth and not rushed, as if the actors and director took their time to deliver a quality product to the masses. The human story seems to be really linked 
uh, to the monster's appearances and subsequent fights. Ian's favorite part of the discussion between Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan. While the talks are done with the monsters in, in the monsters' roars, having the twins effectively act as translators makes the scene especially when the, te- the, when the twins seem to chastise Godzilla for using bad language in his native tone so that the audience cannot tell what he said. When he was younger, Ian really didn't get it. But as a grown-up, you can come up with some of the most hilarious things that Godzilla could have told both of them to make the scene funny. Ian thinks he has come up with a good idea why they use Martians over Venusians for, princess, uh, for the princess. Martian may have been an easier word for the voice actors to use uh, for lip syncing when it came to doing her lines. The pace and rhythm of the monster fight seems to work for each of the monsters themselves. When Godzilla battles Rodan, each monster is given the chance to gain an advantage over the other, only to have it quickly taken away by the other. The game of boulder volleyball between the two seems very well thought out, as it also looks very hard to coordinate. But when they get all four monsters going in the same fight sequence, it works works as all the suits are in sync with each other. The best suit on suit work for the fight scenes uh, for the fight seems to be when Mothra crawls up on the Rodan's back and they actually have Rodan fly with the added weight of Mothra supported. Mike Keller of Monster Attack Team admits that it's hard to believe now, but there was once a time in his life when he had not seen every Godzilla movie ever made. This was before the 1984 revival, and there remained two that he had to check off his list, Gigantus the Fire Monster and Gija the Three-Headed Monster. He had an epic built-up expectation in his mind that no real movie could possibly live up to. When he finally caught it during a marathon on Showtime, what he got was not what he expected, and he was inevitably disappointed. What he wanted to see was a monster-heavy story with a four-way battle that would be nothing short of awe-inspiring. Yeah, not so much. He wished he could have seen this movie with no expectations at all, the way audiences saw it in 1964. The fact of the matter is that this is one of those films that Mike enjoys now more than his first viewing. Another possible reason is, uh, is that this is due more to the human elements of the film than the monster ones. You've got to hand it to any movie where giant monsters are attacking the city, and that's not the hero's biggest concern at the moment. Ghidra is the type of film that could only have been made in the 1960s. It has a groovy James Bond slash Rat Pack swinging Hepcat fun-loving vibe that could have easily turned into a mess, but Honda and company managed to pull it off almost effortlessly. The plots are multiple and intertwined. The assassination attempts, the amnesia, the Venusian prophetess thing, Um, mystery of the 20th century, looking for UFOs, brainwaves, hiking through the mountains, meteors, and, oh yeah, giant monsters. Uh, Ghidra fares the best out of the four. After the 1960s, he would never look as good again. Mike has yet to see Toho bring Ghidra back in a fashion that matches the grandeur of the 60s appearances. But like all the monsters in this, he needed more screen time and didn't establish himself as a greater threat to humanity than Godzilla and Rodan, save for the obscure ramblings of a homeless supermodel. There needed to be a Ghidra versus the military scene. Godzilla is the next best-dressed critter, utilizing the superb suit from Mothra vs. Godzilla, although he never looks as good. This is a combination of wear and tear on the suit, a failure on the part of the camera crew to shoot it as well as before, and from a conspicuous lack of high-speed photography. 
Rodan isn't a patch of his previous appearance, but he still looks better than the curved beak design that would appear later in the series. The Mothra larva only looks good about half the time, and there's no one inside that larva suit, despite what David Callet says. Something that hurts all the monsters is the use of puppets. These might just be the worst monster puppets in Toho history. Mike still thinks the climactic battle is a letdown, with some downright embarrassing moments, Although the film ends kind of weird with Rodan and Godzilla just standing on the shore watching Mothra travel back to Infant Island. What did they do between the end of this movie and Monster Zero? Go to Disneyland? Wander around aimlessly? Go to the bar? Maybe they retired. Uh, there you have it. Those are our Daikaiju discussion submissions. Thank you guys very much for doing that. Uh, I do enjoy reading them. I don't enjoy editing them down, though, so... You don't need to make them so long next time. I know Gita the Three-Headed Monster is a very iconic film. So, uh, you know, those people out there that give me the three pages worth of homework, you get A's for effort. Um, but anyway, next up, War of the Gargantuas. That is June's movie. And uh, please have your thoughts, questions, and reviews turned in before June 25th if you want to be included in that episode. We are going to take a break because I need something to drink. And uh, when we come back, these people may or may not be with us, but we're going to take a break by listening to something from the movie, and then we're going to get to the news.
United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. So we do have some news to go over. Not a ton of stuff, and uh, not all of it's awesome. Um, The first thing I wanted to mention is that uh, we lost Ray Harryhausen this month. He died at the age of 92. And if you're like me, Ray Harryhausen's movies were actually a pretty big part of your childhood. Uh, Maybe your adulthood, depending on how old you are. Uh, Unfortunately... Uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's I, I'm kind of at a loss. I I really admired the guy, but a friend of mine, Butch Portillo, uh, he was a really big fan of Ray Harryhausen's, and he has written a piece that is up on SciFiJapan.com. I uh, I would definitely suggest looking at it. If uh, it's, I think it's even broken up into three separate articles. It's a pretty good in-depth look at uh, Ray's life and the legacy he's left behind. Coincidentally, I would like to bring up a a documentary that has been produced and is currently in the works called Ray Harryhausen Special Effects Titan. I have not seen it, but I've seen parts of it, and it is really, really good. Uh, It's basically, uh, it's an amazing tale. There was an amazing, I don't even know how to describe it. Jeff and I saw a presentation at Monster Palooza by the director of this um, documentary, and it was really cool. So um, unfortunately, it isn't uh, available on Blu-ray or DVD yet, but supposedly there's going to be a ton of stuff out uh, on on those discs when they're finally released. I'll have a link in the show notes to the Sci-Fi Japan article and the Facebook page where you can learn more about Ray Harryhausen Special Effects Titan. Uh, now that the somber news is over, uh, the the best, most exciting news of the entire episode, Ultra Q, the show from Subaraya that I have been like really, really amped to see at some point subtitled. I even went as far as to try and you know like track somebody down who could maybe translate for me. Nothing ever came of it, of course. But Ultra Q is getting a legitimate DVD release in August of this year. It's going to be six discs, all 28 episodes. Uh, It will be in black and white, the original black and white. And it's going to be uh, in Japanese with English subtitles. I'll have links in the show notes, not only to the article on August Ragoni's blog, but also a link to the Shout Factory website where you can pre-order it. You can also pre-order from Amazon as well. Um, I pre-ordered from Shout Factory uh, and then next up is the Monster Attack Team magazine release. As we have talked with them before, Famous Monsters of Filmland has um, gotten behind the Monster Attack Team, and they are uh, releasing issue one this month. Look for it on newsstands near you. There's also a, a, a launch announcement article on Sci-Fi Japan that you can check out. Only really two more news items. X Plus has released their lineup for June of 2013, and uh, Sci-Fi Japan, of course, has an article about that. They also have updated information about the Godzilla 1975 vinyl figure and Spectreman and Goldar, aka Magmatashi from Space Giants. Uh, those are two different articles, and they will, of course, be in the show notes, linked to in the show notes. I've only got a couple of housekeeping items here. The list of events is getting smaller, which is kind of cool. 
June 22nd, Godzilla Night 2 featuring Godzilla vs. King Ghidra and Godzilla vs. Mothra, both of them Heisei films. Uh, not to mention vendors. I'm going to be there. Uh, we're going to Skype in Robert Scott Field. It's going to be a lot of fun down in San Leandro, California at the Historic Bowl Theater. Check the link in the show notes to that. In July, G-Fest. G-Fest in Chicago, Illinois. Who's going to that? I'm going. I'm doing a live podcast from there. Uh, hopefully interviewing the guests. Speaking of guests, the guests are going to be Shinichi Wakasa, Tom Kitagawa, uh, Robert Scott Field, I believe, is going to be there as well. The guy who made the Wolfman versus Franken... No, that is not right. The legendary... Okay, it's called... The fan film is called Wolfman, the legendary colossal beast versus Godzilla. The filmmaker who made that, Shizuo Nakajima, is going to be there. Uh, Robert Scott Field will be there. They're going to have Frank Woodward, the guy, one of the guys who made Men in Suits. Sweet. And, of course, uh, Mr. J.D. Lees is going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. And that is uh, July 12th through the 14th in Chicago, Illinois. The following weekend is San Diego Comic-Con. And I've talked about it on the show. I am definitely, definitely going to be there. I am definitely going to try and get into Hall H on Saturday for Godzilla coverage. Because this is the only major comic book convention that Legendary Pictures could actually do something with. Uh, And uh, yeah, those are the events. Little housekeeping item, I did want to mention that I was recently on an episode of Obviously Oblivious with the Mike Pilot. If you guys have heard uh, me talk about podcasts that I listen to, one of those podcasts is The Mediocre Show. Mike Pilot is on The Mediocre Show along with Eric Tomorrow and Hope Tomorrow. And uh, he is also has several other shows, one of them being a Star Wars show, if you like Star Wars, a Star Wars show called Full of Sith. And uh, the one that I was on was called Obviously Oblivious. We had a great time. He asked me, he and Paul, his co-host, asked me questions about giant monster stuff. Uh, Check that out. Link in the show notes to all that. We're wrapping up the show. This is it. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. If you found the podcast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, make sure you point your web browser to kaijucast.com where you can see all the shows we've ever done. There's an episode list. There's the schedule of Daikaiju discussions. There's links to uh, all of the different various websites that we are part of. Did you know that we're on Facebook? We're on Twitter. We're on Tumblr. We're on YouTube and Vimeo. And um, I actually did just recently join Instagram. So uh, KaijuCast is basically your portal there. Uh, If you go to KaijuCast.com, there's links to all that stuff. Not to mention links to our commentaries and a link to subscribe on iTunes. Please do subscribe to the show. It really does help us out in the end. Uh, boost those numbers so that people know we're serious and that we uh, take Godzilla seriously and have fun with it as well. If you uh, cannot listen to the podcast or can't subscribe for some reason, feel free to listen on Stitcher. We are on Stitcher as well. And the last thing I will say before we kick things off uh, with our last song of the evening is that uh, I have been doing this thing called Monster Music Mondays, where every Monday when I wake up in the morning, I hit play on a playlist, or sometimes have to build the playlist, and basically play music for like a 24-hour period. Uh, All kaiju music, all kaiju-related stuff, audio clips, trailers. It's really fun to listen to. I listen to it while I'm at work, you know, unless somebody interrupts me. But uh, I highly suggest you check it out, especially if you like that stuff. 
the link always goes live on Monday and then it shuts down on Tuesday. Um, but yeah, Monster Music Mondays is happening once again and uh, will be happening this Monday for Memorial Day. Anyway, that is it. We had one more request and this was from Jace who asked to play some of the uh, Godzilla acapella stuff. Now, the deal is that the name of this group is the Bukimisha Weird Secret Society, and um, you can only get their stuff from Japan. I am lucky enough to have two of their albums. They have a whole bunch of them. Not all of them are still available. You can't get them through Amazon's website. Um, I think the deal is that because technically they're, they're singing copyrighted material, you can't buy them from places. You have to get them directly from the group. I would totally be interested in talking with them. I should probably email them. Anyway, uh, there's a website. I will link it in not just the show notes, but if you look at the track listing where it says Bukimisha Weird Secret Society, that will be a link to their website where you can attempt to order stuff. I have not done it, but uh, I'm rambling. It's late. I need to go to bed. So uh, thank you guys very much for listening. We will see you next month when we talk to... Chris Mowry and Matt Frank from IDW Publishing about the brand new series called Godzilla Rulers of the Earth. My name is Kyle. Thanks to all the guests I had here. Thank you guys all for submitting your homework. Thank you for all the support you guys give us. And uh, we're going to close out with the undersea warship attacks from Atragon performed by the Bukimisha Weird Secret Society. Jamata. Ashley wrote in and says, This is going to be a lot of fun to edit.